107.5. Number one for R&B. WBLS. Coming to you live from the studios of 107.5 WBLS. This is Open Line. We want to hear what's on your mind. Call us at 212-545-1075 or email us at openlinefm at aol.com. And welcome to Open Line on this cold Sunday morning, February 25th. It may go up to 60 60 degrees this week, but right now it's 24 degrees. Let me say good morning to all our tri-state listeners and those that are listening to us online at WBLS.com. I'm your host, Brother Fatine, and I'm joined every Sunday by my co-host, and I'm talking about the sophisticated lady, Jennifer Jones, Austin Esquire. Good morning, Jennifer. How are you doing this morning? Jennifer? I don't. I'm here with you. There you go. There you go. How you doing this morning? Maybe the phone line's a little froze there. It's a little cold (laughs) out there this morning. (laughs) I love it. I was sharing that I'm doing. I'm doing well this morning. You know, it's uh, we've had a relatively mild uh, uh, winter. You know, so much that when we get these cold, brisk mornings, we you know we're like, what's up? What's going on? But um, you know, I'm warm in my heart. And I'm uh, happy to be with you this morning and with everyone else. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yesterday being February 24th, that's 224. That date has some very important significance in your life, Jennifer. Why don't you elaborate on that before we jump into uh, today's uh, show issues? Absolutely. So 90 years ago yesterday, my daddy, William Augustus Jones Jr., was born. And so, you know, that's a holiday in my household. And in fact, this evening at 7 p.m., my family members were gathering on Zoom from all around the country to uh, commemorate his 90th birthday, to share stories and pictures and just love on him, even though he's no longer with us. He died in 2006. And then, as we've talked about, uh, in 2009, I was diagnosed with leukemia. Uh, and was told that I was going to die. I was diagnosed on a Wednesday, and on that Friday, I was in a coma, intubated, and the doctor said that I would die that weekend. Uh, fortunately, with a lot of prayer and a little bit of chemotherapy, I survived that weekend, but then we learned that the leukemia was environmentally caused, and I had a broken chromosome that damaged my blood and bone marrow system. I needed a new bone marrow, blood and bone marrow system. I needed someone to give me a new blood and bone marrow system. So as we've talked about before, you know, uh, a search was commenced around the country with my husband and my mom and my siblings leading the way, friends and family from across the country stepping in to find me a donor. And uh, while we did not find a donor for me, we found cord blood. Now, the beautiful thing is that people did step up to be a donor, African-Americans. I needed someone of similar race and uh, genetic typing, I should say. And that comes from someone of the same race and ethnicity. We found out that to date we've got better than 100, I think 120 people who've received transplants from people who came forward to be a donor for me. However, I got a cord blood transplant. That's ultimately what prevailed for me. Two little African-American baby boys whose mothers thought enough to store their their umbilical cord blood stem cells in a public bank uh, were donors for me. 
And the beautiful thing, it was a long story, but an important story, the beautiful thing was that when the doctors told me that I was, uh, had, had a, a donor, a cord blood donor, uh, they told me that I'd be transplanted on February 24th, 2010, which, again, was my daddy's birthday. So every year, we recognize my daddy, and we recognize me, and we celebrate the bond that was between the two of us, such that even though he was no longer living at the time of my transplant, he was right there with me. Wow. Let me just say this. Uh, first of all, God bless you. Thank God for that. Let me just say happy heavenly birthday to uh, your father, uh, Reverend Dr. Augusta Jones. And let me, I, normally I will not do, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't do this, but I'm going to say yesterday was your birthday and I'm going to tell your age of you're 14 years old as of yesterday because that was 14 years ago. You talk about being born again. That is, uh, that is the example of being born again. I love it. Can I quickly tell you this? My son, uh, goodness, I guess maybe about two years after I was transplanted, he at the time was 10, 11 years old. He went with me to a speaking engagement. And after I finished speaking and we were heading home, he said to me, Mommy, I think your voice is deeper. Now, remember, I got transplanted using the cord blood stem cells of two African-American baby boys. My son said to me, you think they're in puberty in your body? Mm. 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 There you go. That, Jennifer was high, and now she's a little deeper. There you go. Well, the, the, the bottom line is you're here, and that's the main thing. Amen. There Amen. you go. Let me let our listening audience know that we will open up the phone lines to talk about some of the top stories that uh, Jennifer and I will discuss this morning, as well as any issue that you may want to raise. All you have to do is give us a call at 212 Five four five one zero seven five. Again, that telephone number to reach us here on the open line this uh, cold Sunday morning. Two one two area code five four five one zero seven five. And while our producers Robin and Juliana begin to line up the callers, Jennifer, let's discuss a few news items. So Donald Trump secured a decisive victory in South Carolina Republican primary yesterday, solidifying his bid for a third consecutive GOP nomination by defeating Nikki Haley, the former UN ambassador in her native state, having won in pivotal contests across Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, and uh, U.S. Virgin Islands. Trump has emerged victorious in every crucial Republican delegate race, further reinforcing his position as the front, run front runner within the party ahead of the impending Super Tuesday primaries. This picture pretty much sets up a rematch of the 2020 presidential race between now President Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump. Your thoughts on this? You know, when when you first look at it, first glance, you think to yourself, how can this be? Like, what is going on in America when you have uh, a man like Donald Trump who has said and done the most heinous things? He has sought to disrupt our democracy for self-gain, for, for his own good. Uh, you know, all, so many of his, uh, you know, ugly, egregious acts played out before our very eyes, and yet you've got millions of people who are still, like, running with him. How can this be? And then, you know, this, look, you won't necessarily hear a lot of this on uh, the, the Talking Heads uh, programs, 
But I believe this has everything to do with the dumbing down of America. Mm. Uh, you know, it is not just in black and brown communities where our education systems are failing and have failed for a long time. It is across America. We've got, well, although 15%, only 15% of black students uh, graduate high school reading proficient. Across America, we're talking about like white uh, students graduating, I think it's the numbers 39% reading proficient. Mm-hmm. So what you have is an education system in a society that has not developed minds to think critically, to be thoughtful, to be analytical, to just love like, you know, kind of like what's in their face, what's sensational, you know, what's the last line they want to hold on to. And so they're going to live into that. That's the only way that I can even begin to make sense of this. If you don't teach people how to think critically, you're going to get a Donald Trump. I tell you. Also, there have been comments made towards black voters out there. Trump made a bold attempt to court black voters during a Friday night event in South Carolina, highlighting the 91 felony charges he faces and drawing parallels between his legal woes and the systemic injustices faced by minorities in the American criminal justice system. Trump suggested that his perceived mistreatment by the legal system resonates with black communities, insinuating that his troubles mirror the discrimination experienced by many African Americans. He pointed to his mugshot in Georgia stemming from charges related to contesting states' elections results as a symbol of solidarity with black Voters also during the South Carolina speech address addressing the cost of a new Air Force One. Donald Trump sparked controversy by disparaging former President Barack Obama, radically asking, "Would you rather have the black president or the white president who got 1.7 billion off the price?" Amid cheers from the crowd, Trump further fueled the dis- divisive rhetoric by asserting. I think they want the white guy insinuating that his audience preferred a white president over a black one. And now, despite his attempts, Jennifer, to appeal to black voters, a recent USA Today Suffolk poll revealed that Trump commands only minimal support among the black community with just 12 percent expressing their backing for him. What is your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I'm. You know where I stand. I'm hopeful that that number holds and that uh, it actually declines. But I'll tell you, I was I was in a post office just two days ago uh, dropping off a package, and I heard a brother saying to two other brothers as he was walking out, that's why Trump gets my vote. So you know me. You know, anybody who knows me knows that I couldn't just let him walk out. And I was like, excuse me, help me understand, help me appreciate why you would vote for Trump. And the first thing he said to me was, because, you know, he's got the backs of black people. Then I looked at him. I said, well, let's process this. When did he start having the backs of black people? So I walked him through what he did with the Central Park Five. Fascinating that he now says that black people can identify with him because he's been indicted wrongly, uh, you know, on four, uh, four counts, 91 felony charges, when it was he who essentially, you know, like took out a New York Times full page ad calling for the death sentence for five young men who had not even been tried and convicted, right? So I said that to him. He then said to me, I started talking about some of the other things that he'd done. Man cut me off and he said, 
Well, you know, he's for Border Patrol. I said to him, uh, this is the man who signaled to the Republicans to kill the bipartisan deal to bring about greater border protections. Then he said to me, well, you know, he's giving money to HBCUs. Mm -hmm. I said, oh, he renewed a bill that Obama had been building on, providing 80 to $85 million per year for HBCU support. But have you noticed that Biden-Harris had dedicated $7.1 billion to HBCUs? He looked at me and he said, well, you know, I'll give some consideration to what you're saying. Maybe I'll change my mind. So it's just yet again another example when we even look at that 12% of, sadly, many in our community not looking and leaning in. This is an individual. I told this man this. I said, this is a man who called uh, countries of color asshole countries. Mm -hmm. This is a man who dined with white nationalists the week after he declared his 2024 campaign. Like, what's up? But again, if we do not teach our children to think critically, this is what happens when they grow up. Exactly. And, you know, just doing numerous podcasts, you know, during the week and, of course, producing Reverend Sharpton nationally syndicated radio show, Keeping It Real with Al Sharpton, in which you participate every Thursday for 90 minutes. Um, you get these callers that call in and they say, well, the Biden administration, some some callers, some black callers call in and the Biden administration hasn't done nothing. And Trump has done this for black folks. And then, you know, I had to read down a list of things that the Biden administration has done. And then they throw out these statements that they did this. For instance, the uh, Trump did this for the HBCUs. Well, honestly, what you just said, Congress allotted this money and then through Trump's budgets he cut that money you see what i'm saying so so people some folks are getting the information from fox news or you know they don't get a chance to watch the news they go into hearsay and then they go off of that instead of understanding the facts and that's where this is going to come down to and then they play our community dumb and they play yeah. us cheap let me let me just go into this real quick and again to reach us 212-545-1075 a fox news pundit raymond arroyo stirred controversy last week by leaning heavily into racial stereotypes suggesting that black americans would rally behind donald trump in the upcoming presidential election due to their love for guess what sneakers a royal oh said royal said this is connecting with black america because they love sneakers they're into sneakers this is a big deal certainly in the inner city so when you have trump roll out his sneaker line they're like wait a minute this is cool i mean this is how they look at our community they play us cheap you understand and and, and 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 this doesn't go. And again, when we look at the, the the comparison between Biden and Trump, not that we don't have issues with the Democratic Party, because we right. do have issues. And, you know, one of the things and we talk about that is messaging from the Democratic Party, Sister Jennifer, is number one. And then number two, some Democrats come out and get get our votes and then you don't see them for a while. And that's where yeah. you have to hold your politicians, your political leaders. You have to hold them accountable. You have to. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the gentleman with whom I was talking in the post office 
said to me that uh, the Democrats haven't done anything for uh, for black Americans. And so that's kind of like where he began. And that's what stuck him. And one of the things I actually said to him was, are we talking about Democrats versus Republicans? Or are we talking about Donald Trump versus Joseph Biden? Like we need to think about Joe Biden. We need to think about what we're actually talking about here because Donald Trump, I don't know if he represents the Republican party. Many Republicans would say he would not, although they'll still maybe turn around and vote for him. But again, it ultimately comes down to what have people, you know, what are the policies and the practices? I've heard black Americans say, well, you know, Trump gave me the stimulus check. Mm-hmm. Remember, he, uh, he, he held up the release of those stimulus checks so that during the COVID, so that he can make sure his, his signature was on the signatory line. Because he understood, he knew that when people got that check and they saw his name, that if they weren't thinking critically and appreciating that Congress had to pass the legislation to allow for the release of those checks, they would think that he personally gave each and every one of them some money during COVID. What Trump has done so well and continues to do Mm -hmm. is to rely upon, I'm just going to put it out here, our inability unwillingness to think analytically, thoughtfully, to break down and process what this man is up to, what he has long been up to. And so it becomes a go along, get along. You know, he said that, what did he say? He said that the biggest uh, purchaser of his mug with his mug shop Mm -hmm. were black Americans. So he's playing us. Exactly. And people are leaning into it. Yeah. Now, again, Sister Jennifer, I've said this to you again, when it comes down to comparison between the Biden administration and former President Trump and his administration, there's no real comparison, not only for black Americans, for mm-hmm. Americans. But there are issues, and that's why I said to you, and I say to everybody, and I know what the bottom line is now, and I understand that, but I just do not blow off concerns of what our community have with the Democratic Party. They felt that President Biden should have been primaried at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And then and then there's people that are still upset at the, at, the, at the party. And you can't just go out there and just say sometimes just vote for the lesser two evils. So now we have independent White House candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Jr. is ramping up efforts to appeal to black voters nationwide, recognizing their significance, influence in President Biden's electoral success and seeking to establish himself as a compelling alternative in the upcoming presidential election by actively participating in community events such as visits to black churches, roundtable discussions, and collaborations with entertainers. Kennedy aims to foster enthusiasm for his candidacy among black voters, although his strategy has sparked diverse reactions within the black political and media circles with some expressing concern over his potential impact on Biden's re-election bid while others commend Kennedy's unscripted unscripted approach as a refreshing change from traditional political discourse and we have to really watch this because he can pull some black voters even if it's a small percentage which will can affect the general election and Biden against presidential, uh, President Trump. Your thoughts, and then we'll go to the yeah. phones. 
you know, I, 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 I agree with the concerns that are being raised. We, we live in a society where we don't really, most people, again, because of all that I've been saying about the lack of critical thinking, people don't really lean into the issue. And they vote uh, based on popularity. They vote based on, uh, you know, those who are most persuasive in their appearance and what they say and how they say it. Uh, we live in a society that is litigious. Mm-hmm. Uh, people like uh, debate. They like sensationalism. They don't necessarily lean in. Kennedy has the Kennedy name. Mm-hmm. That pulls some weight. You know, younger people may not lean in and look at what he's saying. At the same time, I'm one of those people who appreciates and agrees. We should have had people primarying Joe Biden. Remember, many thought that when he ran the first time that he was going to be one term. We've got a situation where because people lean into the, you know, the, the, um, the identities, race, age, you know, uh, appearance, right? We used to have a situation where people, if you were taller, you were more likely to get the vote. I'm just calling it as it is. Well, now we've got a situation where we've got the potential. People keep leaning to this ageism issue because they see that right behind him is a woman of color. Do we want, do they want possibly the first woman to become the president of the United States should something happen to Joe Biden to be a woman of color, a black and Southeast Asian woman. So they're going to play into all this. And so then the person like Kennedy may become even more appealing, not necessarily because of what he's saying. If they don't agree with him, remember this is an act to anti vaccine person. They may not agree with him, but he's an alternative and maybe, you know, he, he gives some of what they don't want. Right. It's problematic. Yeah, very problematic. And, you know, again, real quick, you know, some say, oh, well, you know, this is not a racist country. Or since uh, we elected a, pre- uh, a, a, a black president, you know, we don't have those racist issues out there. Well, real quick, in a setback for Houston High School student Daryl George, who wore his lock. Locks hairstyle neatly braided. A Texas judge ruled this week that the state's Crown Act does not prohibit school dress codes from imposing restrictions on hair length, allowing Barber Hill Independent School District to uphold its suspension of George, who is black, over his locks hairstyle. George's family expressed dismay dismay over the ruling and declared their intention to appeal, citing frustration that his educational opportunities are being hindered solely because of his choice of hairstyle. Meanwhile, Texas State uh, Rep. Ron Reynolds has pledged to continue advocating for students like George and vowing to pursue legislative action aimed at safeguarding students' rights and challenging hair length restrictions within school dress codes. The, hair, the Crown Act is out there. You don't supposed to be discriminated about your hair. Here's this young, uh, young brother. Uh, Daryl George, wearing his locks in a nicely uh, braided hairstyle on top of his head. You understand what I'm saying? And now they say, well, it's too long. Again, well, this, yeah. go ahead, Jennifer, and then we go to the I was gonna say, It's just, you know, it's, it's all of these kind of underhanded, you know, like, let's see how we, you know, find a loophole and, and continue to discriminate against persons of African descent and others. Here's the thing that I don't quite understand. First of all, you know, why the, the court uh, really didn't lean into and appreciate the legislative intent 
of the, you know, of, of the act, the Crown Act, the legislator who introduced the bill said that they well understood that in order to protect, uh, you know, persons of African descent when it came to their hairstyles, you know, they recognized that certain styles, protective hairstyles, have to be long in order to, like, you know, catch hold of the hair and braid it. So they understood, and their legislative intent was to protect locks and braids, right? Because you need length. That, that's the only way you can get the lock and the braid. So they're saying that, you know, it is implied, it is understood that the hair has to be long. That was the legislative intent, but that was overlooked. The thing I'm not sure about, what I'm questioning is, as I understand it, and I don't, ha- I haven't read the act in its entirety, but as I understand it, the act speaks only to boys' hair length. So I can't even understand how you can have discrimination, like you know, that is discrimination in and of itself. Why is it that black boy, I mean boys, not black, just boys on the whole, can't have hair that falls below the eyebrows or the ears, but, but, but girls can. Now, I mean, that to me is discrimination in and of itself. So I don't know why they're not even challenging the act on that ground, exactly. on that basis. Exactly. Or challenging, I should say, the, the rules of the school. Right. That's what I meant to say. Not the act, but the rules of the school. There you go. All right. Two and two. Oh, oh, oh wait, 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 wait. Uh, Fatine, there is a, a black man, a pastor, Daryl Scott in Ohio, who is organizing black pastors around the country to get out the vote by black men for Donald Trump. Somebody better shut that down. Yep. 212-545-1075. We'll keep our eye on that. You know, we, we don't have a problem inviting them on our show have a conversation. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to the phone lines before we have to come up on this break. Let's go to line four, Rick, and bring Patricia calling us from Manhattan. Good morning, Patricia. Patricia, welcome to Open Line this morning. Good morning, my beloveds. I hope all is well, and I celebrate Jennifer on her 14th birthday, darling. Thank you. I am going to have to disagree with a lot of what you have said. You know, I love you both. But what I want to talk about this morning is black political power, because what I think the Democratic Party is missing is that black people don't necessarily they don't want Donald Trump. What they want is an alternative to the Democratic Party, because they believe in their hearts that the Democratic Party has failed. And I'm going to tell you why I know that this past Thursday. I attended a rally for Cornell West in a church that is dilapidated. And I'm telling you that that church was packed. So it's not just Robert Kennedy that the Democrats have to worry about with Joe Biden. It's also Cornell West. Now, these were not your everyday people. These are educated people. They know the issues. You know what they see? We have the first black president. We have the first Supreme Court justice. We, ha- we celebrate the first black this and black that. But you know what, black? What's also first? Black people are the highest in homelessness, the highest in maternal mortality, 
the highest in unemployment. Black people are the highest in every negative metric. So we have to ask ourselves, what are, number one, are our black elected officials doing for black people because they are mostly in the Democratic Party? And I'm watching what the Arabs and the Muslims are doing around the issue of Palestine, because every day I'm listening to them and I'm watching them in Michigan on the 27th is the primary for Biden. And you know what they're saying? We are not buying the message that if we don't vote for Biden, that is a vote for Trump. They are saying that we have alternatives. What they are saying is we are prepared to suffer on behalf of our people. Black people aren't ready to suffer yet. They want progress without suffering, and it does not happen. So it's not just it's not just Kennedy you have to worry about. It's Cornell West because he has a message that the Democratic Party doesn't have. And the message is you cannot take 67 cents of every dollar and put it towards war as people don't have a home. People don't have food to eat. People don't. That's the message that he has, and that's what's resonating with people. They don't want Trump. What they want is an alternative. Patricia, you made some great points. I want to thank you for your call. And before we go to break, Jennifer, I want to raise, I mean, she raised some very, very interesting points. And in, in talking about Michigan on our on open line online broadcast, maybe about two months ago, we had Dawood Walid from CARE, the Council of uh, American Islamic Relations. And he was talking about what the Arab Americans and Muslim Americans in Michigan were thinking about doing. And mm-hmm. they are either casting their vote for Trump or not casting their vote for Biden. And that what's going to take place out there in Michigan in a swing state, it can swing it to, towards Trump. So she just raised some issues. And I really yeah. want to get, I know I hear the break music, but I really want to hear from you, Jennifer, because we do have some very important issues. And it, and it comes at a very, very bad time because of putting Trump back in office and seeing what has been done and rolling back things that we have fought for, especially during the 60s. And those gains being pushed back and being set back more is... Is we're in a bad situation, but we cannot continue where we as black people, even Reverend Sharpton talked about all the black folks in power in New York by having them in office. We fought to have them in office. But if we don't get any power from that and any results from that, then it's, 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 it's useless at the end of the day. So, yes, Absolutely. black political power is so important. And right now, some black folks are saying, you know what? I hear what you're saying, but we're tired of the okie doke and we're tired of this, especially we're looking at this migrant situation. I just seen the person protesting. They, they can't get housing, but migrants get housing. They get the, 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 the vouchers and folks that have been homeless don't get the things that the migrants that have not been here and built this country. Your thoughts before we take a break. So, uh, so let me just agree with much of what you said. And I also think that, you know, I agree with much of what Patricia said. As I said before she came on, he should have been primary. I don't, I, I don't say that he should have just walked straight into a, a, a second nomination. Here's the deal. As my brother has said before, you know, Democrats uh, have failed black Americans in several respects, but Republicans don't even try. Mm -hmm. 
They do not try. Do you have gun control legislation? No. You know, no. Do we have voting rights protection at the federal level? No. No. Do we have legislation that, uh, that, 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 that works to control police brutality and misconduct? No. And who is that because of? Republicans have blocked this legislation, these legislative efforts at every turn. Here's the deal. You all hear me every Sunday morning talking about issues concerning those who go without food supports, those who go without housing, those who go without being employed, gainfully employed. And a lot of that is at the hands of elected officials at the federal, state, and local levels, some of whom are Democrats. So this is not for me about a Democrat-Republican, but I will say this. If you think we need a new party, don't just talk about it. Do it. And don't do it in an election year. So I was raised where I got to consider all things and appreciate in a moment where I've got to make a decision. What is the most informed decision to be made? So I may not have the most preferred choices, but I'm certainly not going to make a choice that works against my best interest that has been proven time and time again. There you go. There you go. You're right. And these are the things that we need to talk about all year, uh, all year round, not like you said, in an election year. But what we're going to do, Jennifer, we on. We got to take this hard break. And when we uh, come back, we will continue with the phone calls. We will try to go express on these phone calls as much as we can. You're listening to Open Line with Brother Fatin and Jennifer Jones, Austin Esquire. We'll be right back after these messages. Pillars of Black History all month long with your number one for R&B and the black community. 107.5 WBLS. Welcome back to Open Line right here on 107.5 WBLS. FM, Black History Month. It is February 25th. To reach the open line, give us a call, 212-545-1075. You can reach us on Facebook or on X, formerly known as Twitter, by going to WBLS 1075NYC. And we are streaming live at WBLS.com. Whew, I'm out of breath. I had to run down the hallway. Should have had Rick go out and get me a bottle of water real quick. <laughs> Couple announcements and then we will continue with our broadcast. Open Line Online, the second hour of Open Line on WBLS Facebook page. will be off today and returning this coming Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Sunday morning with Reverend Al Sharpton will be coming up at 9 a.m. to be followed by Express Yourself with the legendary Emotep Gary Bird at 10 a.m. this morning. Also, the Brotherhood Ministry of the Abyssinian Baptist Church in Harlem will hold a virtual Zoom presentation title. Is there still a place for the African-American male in the corporate world. Panelists will be Ray McGuire, president of Lazard and former New York City mayor candidate and former member of U.S. Congress, Harold Ford. This will take place tomorrow, Monday, February 26th at 7 p.m. by Zoom. So go to Zoom, to the Zoom app and type in the meeting ID, which is 999-0678. Six seven six one. I'll say that again. Nine 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 
1-800-786-7867. And once you do that, hit join. All right? Then this Tuesday, February 27th at 11 a.m., the New York Blood Center Enterprises will be celebrating Sickle Cell Warrior Stacy Santelli's first children's book title, Guess Who? Mama Pooh, and highlighting their longstanding commitment to the sickle cell community and life-saving products, services, and innovative research. This will take place at the New York Blood Center located at 310 East 67th Street in Manhattan beginning at 11 a.m. And I, Brother Fatin, will be the moderator for this event. And then yesterday I received this late yesterday by Dr. Shango Blake. Thank you, my brother. And it's put out, Media Alert, African Burial Ground. Black Studies Curriculum enters into Phase 2 of piloting pre-K through 12 curriculum in New York City Public School as is headed for a complete launch into all New York City public schools. Now, there's a lot of call, uh, uh, groups, Edu- Education Equity Action Plan Coalition Organization, Black Influencers United, BU, Associate of Black Educators of New York Incorporated, Eagle Academy Foundation, United Way of New York, Black Education Research Center, New York City Public Schools, New York City Council Speaker Adrian Adams, and the Black Latino Asian Caucus of City Council here are part of this. So uh, this, uh, this February 29th, this week, at 10 a.m. at the African Burial Ground, the EEAPC, that's the Education uh, Equity Action Plan Coalition organizations, will be announcing pilot phase two of the Black uh, Studies Curriculum, that's BSC, the Black Studies Curriculum. And in June, the BSC will be available throughout New York City public schools. All right, for more information, you can call Dr. Shango Blake at 917 373 7138-917-373-7138. And Jennifer, I believe you have a quick announcement as well. Very quickly, Council Member Sabina Brooks Powers is having a Black History event in Queens tomorrow. You can go onto her website and learn about that. I have the blessing of keynoting it. And then Thursday morning, I'll be at City Group, uh, open to the public as well for an association for uh, it's the Abney Association event where we'll be talking about black, black, uh, black New Yorkers and employment. You know, uh, black New Yorkers have 12% employment, unemployment, excuse me, unemployment compared to 3% here in New York, or white America, white New Yorkers. So 12% to 3% black versus white New Yorkers. We'll be talking about unemployment, underemployment, and gainful employment, uh, you know, how to make sure that you're being paid your worth. And we'll be talking with uh, some black leaders in economics. Uh-huh. So that's Thursday morning at Abney. And then I'm heading to Harvard Club on Thursday night. But I think that's a closed audience to look at the King Dream and where we are today. We'll see. All right. We're busy. <laughs> we're, we're, we're here in the city. We're popping up. WBLS popping up. Real quickly, Jennifer, I just want to mention this. And we're going to go express on the phones because I dealt with national stories. I want to hit one local story. Newark Mayor Raz Baraka revealed this week his candidacy for the governorship of New Jersey. In 2025, uh, Mayor, I mean, Governor 
gubernatorial election, marking his entry as the third Democratic contender in the race to succeed Governor Phil Murphy, who is term limited. The other candidates are Jersey City Mayor Stephen Fullop and former state Senate President Steve Sweeney, Mayor Baraka, 53 years old and serving his third term as mayor of Newark, New Jersey. Baraka candidacy holds historical significance as his potential election will make him the state's first governor, first black governor, adding depth to his political career. That includes previous roles as a high school principal and member of the city, Newark City Council. And of course, he's been very, very active uh, as an activist, just coming out of college when he, he graduated from Howard University and uh, doing work in Newark and J- New Jersey and in New York. So uh, we wish him well. And we still will be yeah. speaking with him as the mayor once a month. That's as a mayor. Yeah. And then when he needs to speak on the governor issues, we will also invite the other candidates on. And that'll be a separate show on that. Also, we got to get uh, our uh, good brother that's on the open line online. Uh, Larry Ham on our show here, Sister Jennifer, because mm-hmm. he's running for Senate, uh, for U.S. Senate in New Jersey. So yeah. we have to get him on in the upcoming uh, weeks. All right. All right. Let's go express mm-hmm. on these phone lines. I'll continue. Let's go to line five and bring, bring Geraldo calling us from Brooklyn. Good morning, Geraldo. Yes. Good morning, everyone. Um uh, commenting about uh, the remarks, the judge, I think she is, made about um, District Attorney Bragg. Mm -hmm. Now, he's been picked on before he got into office, and he's been picked on while he was in office, while he is in office. Now, I don't understand her remarks because she didn't make any sense to me. She wants to go first as far as prosecuting this self this person that um, said he murdered um, a person here in New York City, and they have him on tape. Now, you know, we all are saying the same things. We all need to change in government. And this um, position that this woman made, um, she, you know, this is just an example of um, the tactics that's being used in the media, Miss. Um, 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 uh, uh, call it calling uh, the migrants illegals, which is it the correct term? Um, labeling them as criminals. A criminal is a criminal regardless of the creed or the color. Yes, the migrants need to be thankful for whatever services they're given here because we don't have to give them anything. They also have to respect the laws. Wherever they go in the world, they have to respect the laws. They also need to um, fan out in the different states because you can't congregate in one spot because it can be overflowing and overwhelming. You know, team, we had ancestors that came here not knowing the language, but they learned to concept, you know, they learned concept conceptions in order to simulate in this society and send their children on to greatness. Nowadays, we have the delusional, the um, miseducated, and we also have the brainwashed individuals in this society, and they need to wake up. Mm-hmm. 
I agree. And that's all I have to say. I appreciate that, Geraldo. Uh, Thank you for your call. And let me just say this, that what Geraldo's uh, mentioning in, is a story. It's about a man who was wanted in the killing of a woman found bludgeoned to death with an iron in a Manhattan hotel was apprehended in Arizona last week. But in a legal twist, Arizona officials are balking at sending him to New York to answer to authorities. The top prosecutor in Maricopa County has said the suspect must first answer to his alleged crimes in Arizona, which include the stabbings of the two women. Rachel Mitchell, a Republican, criticized the progressive policies of Manhattan top prosecutor Alvin Bragg, who is a Democrat, and suggests his record on crime is reason enough for denying New York's extradition requests, basically saying he is soft on crime. Jennifer, you want to respond to that real quickly as we continue with the calls? Uh, I can respond very quickly and just say politics, politics. Politics. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, let's go to line two and bring Michael calling us from the Bronx this morning. Good morning, Michael. Welcome to Open Line. Good morning, brothers and sisters. I as if that guy couldn't make me any more mad as he has done for the past couple of days. Absolute racism and race baiting. Going to say, trying to equate his indictments to black people being um, suffering under the system. But remember, blacks were, I should say, a lot of innocent blacks were indicted because of policy set by him and even beforehand, all right? We got the videos and audios of him meeting up to 91 counts and there's still investigations which could bring him to 100. So how dare he trying to make like, oh, he can relate to blacks. Everyone remember when he said in that police conference, don't be so telling the cops, don't be so nice to whom you come across. Go ahead and rough them up, show them who's boss. And then not too long after that one, we had one of the most atrocious police abuses ever that ended in fatality that led to a nationwide protest, that being George Floyd. So in, as Aretha Franklin said in a previous um Blues Brothers movie, what in the hell is wrong with you folks? You turn around and support Donald Trump, then it's over. It's over if he gets back into the White House. We shouldn't even be having this discussion. He shouldn't even be on the doggone ballot. Mm. All right, Michael, I'm going to have to hold you there. Thank you for your call. So you real quick, real quick, because we want to go express with these calls as much as possible. Uh, we've been preaching, we're preaching to the choir, Michael there you know it doesn't affect donald trump supporters <laughs> that doesn't sway them at all and it seems like those people that are on the fence or that have jumped on the other side it seems like it doesn't bother them so uh this is going to be a battle and this is where we at he is on the ticket he he's up for these 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 counts here and these charges but the bottom line is he is still in, still winning these primaries and it looks like he's headed to a win and he will be the nominee and this is our reality right now. Jennifer, you want to take the next two calls? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Let's go to line six to Walter from Brooklyn. Good morning, Walter. Good morning, family. How's everybody? We good, Walter. Um, we, we, good. We, got a minute. About, we talk about critical thinking. You know, we got to be independent minds. And the thing about That's it, right. the Democratic Party has failed us, you know, so that produced Donald Trump. The Democratic Party, they... um. Nominated Hillary Clinton. She didn't run a good campaign. 
that produced Donald Trump. So then when it boils down to individuals, I mean, myself, I mean, I got to, under Donald Trump, I'm, I'm paying less taxes. My interest rates went down. So I, I, don't look, I look at the rhetoric. I don't like the rhetoric. I don't like him. But I got to say, I got a person that I knew for 50 years that he pardoned. So when I look at, when, look at what Biden's doing, I'm looking at the migrant crisis. I'm looking at Ukraine. I'm looking at Israel. You know, I mean, the Democratic Party, they take us for granted. And so, so let me just, but we got to, I appreciate what you're saying. Let me, I appreciate what you're saying. We, we've got to keep moving and maybe you can call back at another time. I appreciate what you're saying. Just know that your tax relief is temporary. Uh, just know that, uh, that, that Trump actually discontinued all the consent decrees that would improve policing, uh, black, uh, policing by, against black Americans across the country. He discontinued all those consent decrees across the nation. So just keep those things in mind, too. But we should talk about it more. Let's try to get in one more caller. Let's go to, uh, let's go to line eight to Celine. Good morning, Celine. Peace and blessings, family. I'm Celine from the Bronx. I wanted to say happy birthday to Jennifer Jones Austin. Oh, thank I you. I want to pay homage to Bob Slade, Judge Pickett, Minister Faiz, M2 made the third answer. I miss all of them. They were so great. Mm-hmm. You guys gave me so much courage over the years, and it has built me up like aspirin and symptom. I feel solid as a rock. And, and I'm just grateful for, for the Black History Month. Um, you guys mentioned uh, about three weeks ago there was an event that – Joy and Reed gave, and it was in New Rochelle. I had a little hard time locating it. It was a wonderful event. And um, I think we as a people need to, to, to chime in more to what brings up our heritage, our, you know, our um, culture, because we live in communities that don't speak to culture and heritage. And even though you guys have been a, a encouraging actors, I'm truly grateful for the for the those who stood before us. Like mm-hmm. Walter, I got to hold you there. I'm sorry, we ran out of time. Appreciate your sentiments there, and you're right, Sister Jennifer. Thank you, Walter, for your call, Jennifer. You know, I have a list here. I can go down. You know, of what the Biden administration has done. And we just ran out of time, you know, because he want to say that the, the caller before want to say that the Democratic Party has failed us. They haven't failed us. They haven't failed us. There they have been some issues with the with the black community. But if I list all these things, we'll be on here another another hour. And if we broke down what the Biden administration has done mm-hmm. and we need to have that conversation, we need to have that conversation with Democrat and Republican strategists. But we are out of time. I want to thank you, Sister Jennifer, for another great show. Thank you. All right. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Also, I want to thank our open line production team, our producer, Knowledge Bourne, associate producer, Robin Williams, production assistant, Juliana Marvell, and tech producer, Rick Wright. And remember, our unity should remain strong. Keep amplifying black voices. Keep celebrating black culture. And keep shining in all of your black brilliance. Until next time, stay locked, stay empowered, and keep vibing with open line and the WBLS family. This is where the rhythm meets the revolution. Peace, love, and solidarity. Have a great Sunday. Peace.